Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Wijha Initiative podcast. These podcast episodes are recordings of our past events that we hold in person on a weekly basis. We hope that by listening to the podcast, you'll be inspired to join us at an event. To keep up with our work, please follow us on Instagram. So the story of the Prophet Musa salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first talks about Musa salam and his conversation with uh, Fir'aun and how Fir'aun rejected the message of Musa salam. And then we have the showdown between the magicians of Fir'aun and the Prophet Musa salam. We covered that last week. Um, but we have the remaining few verses from that conversation. So verse 72 from Surah Taha reads, Bismillah. They responded, As the one who created us, we will never prefer you over the clear proof to have come to us. So do whatever you want. Your authority only covers the fleeting life of this world. Inshallah, Jazakallah khair. They said, Qalu, the magicians. Now the magicians, having seen the miracle of Musa alayhi salam, they're convinced. They're convinced of the truth. So they turned to Fir'aun, for whom they were advocating and fighting up until now, they turn to him, and he threatens them, and they say, "Qalu lan nu'thiraka ala ma ja'ana min al-bayyinat, wal-ladhi fatarana." They say, "We are not going to prefer you, and we're not going to obey you after having seen all the signs that Musa alayhi salam has presented." Right? Then they eventually say, "Faqdi ma antaqal." Do whatever you want. Make whatever decision you want. Oh, you want to threaten us? You, you threaten to kill, like to, to cut our limbs off, our arms and our legs? Go ahead. Any decision you make is going to be restricted to this world. Any dominion, any kingdom that you have is restricted to this world. Okay, what do we, what do we learn from this verse right here? One of the things we learn is the power of the truth. The power of the truth. When a person commits to truth, it can give them immense power. It can give them a reason to stand. That's part of the problem for a lot of us in life. If you don't stand for anything, and it's a very cliche saying, if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for everything. If you don't stand for anything. Here's a question. What is it in your life that you would not give up no matter what? Is there anything in your life that no matter what happens to you in life, you would not give it up? What is that? And it's easy to say, by the way. People will say, well, my iman, really? In the face of Islamophobia, what would you do? Would you give up on your religious practice? Or would you stand firm? See, the power of the truth, when you're convinced of the truth of something, is that it gives you the courage to stand against everybody who might say otherwise. Some of us might ask ourselves, are we really proud of being Muslim? Are we really proud of being Muslim? When people say things about Islam around us, do we stand up for Islam? Not that Islam needs us to stand up. But do we, do we have the courage to say something? And then the, the question might, might be asked here, if you don't have the courage, why? Why don't you have the courage? Why are there people who do have the courage? What's the difference? It's to have confidence in your religion. Confidence in your belief in God. And that's why, that's why it's important to investigate the reasons why you believe in Allah. 
Why you stand for this truth? Why would you put yourself through a tough life? Or a Muslim? It's not fun. A lot of it's not fun. Trying to find a place to pray and, you know, trying to make wudu in the washroom, yo. You know what I mean? It's not easy in the gas station trying to make wudu or on the side of the road. Trying to find some halal food to eat when you're traveling. It's not easy. Why would you put yourself through all of that if you don't even believe it? No, you got one life to live, yo. Live it according to something you firmly believe in. Seriously. And a lot of us are shy to ask that question. Maybe we've been taught, don't ask that question. Don't question the religion that you, you, you claim to believe in. Don't question it. Why not? Why not? If you have questions and you have doubts, you better get that checked out. And then if you, if you can get the answers to them, it can give you a courage to stand up against anybody. Because what do you have to fear? Someone's going to come ask you why you're Muslim? You're like, yo, please, bring it. Let's talk about this. And that's a conversation a lot of people need to have. I, I, literally, when I was on campus, I used to look forward to it, yo. Like if anybody would ask me like, hey, why are you dress like that? I'm like, bismillah, bingo, come, <laughs> let's go. No, for real. Because that's, that's all I need. I just need you to initiate the conversation. So it's not me pushing my religion onto you. I need you to initiate it. You initiate it, let's go. And then we talk for like an hour. And it's crazy because all you got to do is ask a few questions. Right? People will put you on the defense. Hey, why do you do that? Why do you wear hijab? And it's like, why not? How would you like me to dress? Well, without it. Why? Like, it's a question of what is the default? Why is the default no hijab, for example? Why is the default no beard or something? Why is the default that? It's somewhat arbitrary for a lot of people. You ask people why you dress the way you dress, they don't even know. Oh, it's, it's the trend. It's the trend. And so if you have a reason to do what you do, why do you pray? Why not? Why would I not pray? Why don't you pray? Tell me, man, why don't you pray? If you never feel any need for any help in your life, you don't believe in any supreme being that brought all of this into existence. And, and, and some of us are like, I don't want to get preachy about it. Dude, ain't, people ain't, they're not, they don't pull no strings when they come to uh, ask you about why you do what you do. And so why, are we, why, are, why do we shy away from this? It may be that we don't have confidence in what we stand for. Do you get what I'm saying? We don't really believe in what we claim to believe in. The truth, look at this. These people literally were against Musa. And the moment that they recognized the truth, and it like permeated the depths of their heart, boom. They just turned. Because faith is powerful. When you believe something, you know, and when we say faith and belief, by the way, we don't mean to believe or to like, to think that something is true without evidence. That's not the way we use those words, by the way. That may be the way that maybe other religions use it. That's not what we're saying here. We're saying that you believe something to be true due to proofs and reasons. That's how we view it. So the moment that they had those truths, boom, there was a confidence to them. And they stood up against Fir'aun right away. Now, um, and then they said, listen, what's the worst that you could do? The worst is that you punish us till we die. Now that's a tough conversation, you know. But it's a real conversation to have. What's the worst that could happen to a believer? Is the believer dies. 
So? And then what? That he dies on shirk. Sorry? That he dies on shirk. Yeah, the potential to die on shirk. But let's say you, you've done your best to avoid shirk. Let's say a believer has done their best to avoid shirk. What's the worst thing that could happen here in, in that situation and in, in anything in life? Is you die. That's what holds us back from so many things is we're the fear of death. It's like, for the believer, the death is what? And this is a hard conversation, man, because none of us, we don't want to talk about it. Death. It's Friday night, yo, we don't want to talk about death. Well, if it's something leading you somewhere, it's no big deal. It's a matter of what's the outcome. Where am I going to end up? And if you fear that you're going to end up dead, then a lot of people stand back and they hesitate. One of the things you see in the companions of the prophets is a lack of fear of death, an embrace of death. Have you ever seen an old person, someone who's very old, who's passing away and they embrace death? And it's so weird. They're like... I'm ready to go. And all the family members are like, no, 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 don't say that. And they're like, no, I'm ready to go. I've done everything I can. I'm ready to go. That's a beautiful thing. That shows the person passing away is more powerful than the people still living. Because they can't bear to see this person go. Death is a reality, y'all. Not talking about it doesn't change that. And the believer prepares for death. And the believer talks about death. And the believer does not shy away from death. And it could be death for me, it could be death for you, it could be death for the loved ones that we have in our lives. You don't prepare for calamity by ignoring it and fleeing from it. You prepare by facing it. And here's the, last, here's the question, when's the last time you faced death? When's the last time you faced death? And very, may Allah protect us, but some of us have never faced it. I've seen people face it. I've seen people give up on life. But life didn't give up on them. That's the question now. What do, you, what do you live for? Okay, but what are you going to die for? What do you stand by? Because that's, that's what waits at the end of the road. No matter how many turns you take and detours you take, at the end of the road lies death. And if you can face that, anything before it is nothing. Because you face the worst. Do you get what I'm saying here? I know it's not what we wanted to hear, yo, and it's not how we wanted to start, but it is what it is. Let's move on, inshallah. Next verse, verse 73. What do they go on to say? Indeed, we have believed in our Lord, so he may forgive our sins, that magic you have forced us to practice. And God is far superior in reward and more lasting in punishment. Inna amanna bi rabbina liyaghfira lana khatayana wa ma akrahtana alayhi min as-sihr. So what they say is, we've believed in our Lord, and we hope that he's going to forgive our sins. And that he'll forgive the magic that you, O Fir'aun, forced us to do. Now, what's the lesson we learned from this? What gives you the courage to move forward and leave the life that you left behind, or that you want to leave behind? A lot of people, as a conversation we need to have. Um, what, what happens when you try to become more religious? How is life still fun? How can you still enjoy life? It's like if I become religious and I start practicing and worshiping, man, it sucks all the fun out of life. Or does it? Or maybe we have a perverted sense of what is fun. 
Do you get what I'm saying? You remember when you were young? How many of y'all, when you were young, like you loved candy? How many of y'all? Show of hands. Is there anybody without their hand up, yo? Like, what did you do? I used to eat cucumbers. Is that what y'all did? Okay, how many of you, you guys do not, cannot stand candy now? Anybody's like, yo, that's way too sugary. Like, that's like crunchy and hard. Like, I can't eat no sugar. I mean, sorry, I can't eat no candy. Seriously, nobody? Y'all still roll with the candy? Like, lifesavers? Y'all roll with lifesavers? Oh, man. MashaAllah. Okay, yeah, right? Like, like, it's hard to eat. What happens? You develop like a refined palate. Sorry to those of you who don't enjoy a refined palate, by the way. Um, you get where I'm coming from? Because, what is it? As a child, imagine, you try to feed a child like a really nice, high-quality dessert, and they're like, ew, right? You try to give them some really nice, like, cheesecake, and they're like, ew, I want a lifesaver. And you're like, dude, you know how much this cost me at D-Spot, yo? Kareem? How much does it cost, man? Too much money, man. You get what I'm saying? But the kid wants a lifesaver. Or, y'all eat Willy Wonka? Oh man, Willy Wonka kills me. You know what I'm talking about? The Willy Wonka candies, the nerds, and the... You know Gobstoppers? Y'all ever eat Gobstoppers? How are we talking about candy here, y'all? Let's stop. Okay. Do you get what I'm saying, though? When you have... When you don't have a refined taste, then things that are, are kind of gross end up tasting good. Young children, they don't know better. They don't have refined taste buds. So they just like to eat anything that kind of stimulates the brain. Right? Gives them a sugar rush. That's what they want. As you get older and you become more refined in your tastes, you start to take a liking to things like matcha. Right? People drink matcha, yo. Um, hey, I won't lie to you. I drank matcha the other day, yo. So it wasn't bad. It wasn't too bad. Um, shout out to... Somebody, somebody. Um, now let's look at the let's look at the, the magicians here. What gives them the courage to leave the life that they had behind? Remember, these were magicians who were going to be paid big money by Pharaoh. You ever seen somebody in a really high position in life leave it behind? Leave like huge contracts of money because of something they believe in? You ever seen that? A soccer player who stands up for a just cause never gets to play for Arsenal again. You know what I'm talking about? People who stand up for something. A basketball player who stands up against racism. What happens? And then the, the, the league ostracizes him. Football player, same thing. Do you get what I'm trying to say here? When people stand up for a cause, what would allow you and give you the courage to give up on all that money? What could do that? Remember, we live in a time where people will sell themselves and their souls for money. And here you got people doing what? Taking really, really ethical stances at the expense of millions of dollars. That's the power of truth. When you stand by the truth, it gives you the power to leave that behind and say, you know what? This is more valuable and I'm willing to give that up. Is the truth of Islam not valuable enough for you to give up everything that you're doing in your life right now? No, Shaykh, I can't change my life. Well, maybe because Islam is not valuable enough to you right now, with all due respect. And you have some work to do on that. Do you get where I'm coming from? 
I can't leave that behind. I can't leave that lifestyle behind. Yeah, because you haven't bought into the lifestyle of Islam. To, the, to submission to God. You haven't bought in yet, man. And if you don't buy, buy in, that's, you're going to continue to live that lifestyle. Look at these people. The magicians say, we give up everything. We're going to be tortured by Fir'aun. He's not going to give us no money. He's going to kick us out. Some of the narrations mention, Fir'aun ends up killing them all. Some of the narrations mention, Fir'aun ends up killing all the magicians. They face death. And what did they do? They said, no. We're still going to give that life up. Because we've seen the truth. And we stand committed to the truth. And we hope that Allah will forgive us for all the mistakes we made. That's another thing to remember. Is that when you have your eyes on your Lord, it gives you the courage to move forward. Sometimes we think, I don't know if Allah will forgive me for what I've done. The lifestyle I've lived, man, I don't know if Allah will forgive me. And so we're hesitant to move forward. I don't know if I'll ever be good enough. I don't know if I'll ever be good enough. Look at the magicians here. They say, we, we believe in Allah, we're convinced that He's our Lord, and now we have hope that He'll forgive us. Wallahu khayrun wa abqa. Allah is better than Fir'aun. Wa abqa. And the hereafter that He's prepared, and His kingdom is far more everlasting than Fir'aun's. Fir'aun's is for a few years till I die. Allah is a, a hereafter that is forever, that is forever. Right. Remember, this, is being, this surah is being revealed to who? The Prophet ﷺ. While he's in Mecca, while his companions are being tortured, while his companions are being persecuted, what's being revealed to him? What's being revealed to him? You know your staunchest enemies? You know the people that you are up against? Maybe the day will come where they'll change that themselves. Just like Fir'aun, just like Musa السلام, was up against the magicians, what did Allah do? Change the magicians and had them become followers of Musa السلام. Similarly, there's an indication, a hint to the Prophet السلام, that the same people that are persecuting you today, the day will come where they will come to your door and they will say, Oh Muhammad, we want to accept Islam. And for so many of them, that's what happened. So many of them, that's what happened. Alright, let's continue. Verse 74. Whoever comes to their Lord as an evil doer will certainly have hell, where they can neither live nor die. Oof, tough. It doesn't get better tonight. Y'all, we started off with death. Now this verse says what? Verily the one who comes to their Lord. mujriman, As a wrongdoer. Another word for mujrim is criminal. As a criminal who's done wrong. Then what's the punishment for them? فَإِنَّ لَهُ جَهَنَّمْ Allah says. For them is definitely hell. Oof, tough conversation, y'all. How many of us, we kind of like get uncomfortable when you start talking about hell? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, man, can't everybody just go to paradise, man? Isn't God merciful? You know what's beautiful about the Qur'an? Whenever Allah talks about hell in the Qur'an, two things. He'll always talk about some, some wrongdoing, some transgression that led to it. And why is that important? Allah doesn't just spring hell up on you in the Qur'an. You're not just reading the Qur'an, and then Musa, and you're going to go to hell. Like, it doesn't just pop up. You get it? There's a discussion of somebody who disobeyed Allah, who did wrong, and then Jahannam comes. And you know what else is beautiful? 
what happens in the very next ayah. This will happen throughout the Qur'an. Allah will talk about punishment and hell. And then He'll couple it with what? Showing you the way out. Oh, you don't want to go to hell? Oh, I got another place for you. There's another place for you. Oh, there's a way out for you. Let's read the next verse. Beautiful. Oh, you don't want to go to hell? Okay, fine. Come to your Lord as a believer. And the one who comes to their Lord as a believer, having done good deeds, they will have the highest ranks in paradise. The highest ranks in paradise. You know, mashallah, Sheikh Kabar was just talking about paradise. Right? To ask Allah Ta'ala for what? For the company of the Prophet ﷺ in paradise. What do y'all want in paradise? What do y'all want? Everybody asks according to their love. You know, you know it's funny because he told that story right now. Man, I got to teach my son that. You know what happened? I was coming back from Hamilton today, just now, like literally five o'clock. And then the, on the way, we start talking about Jannah. We're talking about paradise. So, <laughs> um, uh, I asked him, I said, so who do you want with you in paradise? You know what he said? He said, he said, King Kong and Godzilla. I said, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm going to ask Allah to bring them into an arena and fight. I said, arena? You know where he goes? He goes, the Colosseum. I said, dude, you know the Colosseum? He's like, yeah, it's in Italy. I said, what? And I said, I'm like, everybody asks according to what they love. Yeah, man. So then I asked him. Yeah, she's, I asked him. I said, no, from human beings. Who do you want? And he said, I want mama. So I said, okay, anybody else? Wallahi, wallahi, he said. No, no, that's good. Wallahi. Yo. Then I asked him, I said, yo, listen. I'm like, you want to walk home? <laughs> like, I didn't say that, I didn't say that. I said, I said, what about dad? What about Abu? What about me? What about Abu? He said, yeah, Abu too. So I was like, why didn't you say Abu the first time? Well, I, guess, I forgot. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm driving the car, yo. How did you forget? Shazad, bro, I'm telling you right now, man, it's not going to be pleasant. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so that's, that's you know, I got to teach my son, man. You got to ask for the Prophet in paradise, you know what I mean? Um, what do we want? That's the whole thing. The Prophet ﷺ in so many ahadith describes paradise. Why does he describe paradise? So that we, so that we can desire paradise. And you might say, well, I don't know, man. You know what my son said? He goes, how long are we going to be in paradise for? I said, forever. He said, what if I get bored? What if I get bored? I said, no, don't worry. You're not going to get bored, man. It's going to be fun. All right? What color is paradise? Well, all these questions. I'm like, whatever color you want it to be. I want it to be blue. I'm like, okay, it's blue, yo. You know, like kids, mashallah, man. They can like really think about these things. Um, and then, uh, but yeah. See, one of the things about paradise is, no, no, and I want you guys to, to really think about this carefully. People, when they think about paradise, sometimes they're like, yeah, whatever, man. Like this endless pleasure. Like I'm not sure if that's really all that it's made out to be. But let me tell you another way to think about paradise. There's certain things in this world, certain people that might have left the world, and that you don't have a chance 
that you don't have a chance to, to meet them in this world like, ever again. Paradise is your chance. If there's a loved one that's passed, a loved one that you look forward to one day meeting, that's paradise for you right there. Do you understand? That's the chance. That's the, that's the place where you'll meet. You know what I'm saying? Um, and really, we're taught in hadith that no doubt, paradise is a beautiful and enjoyable place, pleasurable place. But, and, and, and don't tell me you don't really care about paradise, yo. We are a people who work 50 weeks a, a year so we can have two weeks out in the Bahamas, yo. That's what we do. We take two weeks to be out in the Bahamas. Why are you going to the Bahamas, yo? Because you want the closest thing to paradise on this earth. And that's, what, that's how we think about it, isn't it? Don't tell me you don't care about pleasure and enjoying yourself and like kicking it and relaxing. Of course you do. But the point is we're taught in hadith that the highest pleasure in paradise will be what? To be able to look at your Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. To look at your Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's one hadith that says that on the final on that day, when all the people of paradise will be gathered before their Lord, Allah will ask them, Are you pleased? Are you satisfied? Are you happy? And the people of paradise will say, Why why wouldn't we be happy, O oh Allah? You saved us from the fire of Jahannam. You entered us into paradise. You illuminated our faces. And then Allah makes an announcement. He says, الْيَوْمَ أُحِلُّ عَلَيْكُمْ رِضْوَانِي فَلَا أَسْخَطُ عَلَيْكُمْ بَعْدَهُ أَبَدًا Allah says to all the people of paradise, Today, I declare that I'm happy with you. And after today, I'll never be upset with you. And the people of paradise will experience the highest level of, of, of joy and pleasure upon hearing those words. Do you get what I'm saying? That you didn't just get recognition from your company, yo. You got recognition from your creator. On that day in front of everybody. All of creation. And what an honor that would be. May Allah make us from among them. Right. So what do you want in paradise, man? Next verse. The gardens of eternity under which rivers flow where they will stay forever. This is the reward of those who purify themselves. Right. Yeah, and describing paradise in, in a little bit of detail. Um... Yeah, let's continue, inshallah. And we surely inspired Moses, saying, Leave with my servants at night, and strike a dry passage of them across the sea. Have no fear of being overtaken, nor concern of drowning. Right, so this verse now moves on. Now Musa salam has saved the people of Banu Israel, and now he wants to free them from Fir'aun, because Fir'aun had them as slaves. So Allah says, وَلَقَدْ أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَى Musa." We revealed to Musa, an أَسْرِ بِعِبَادِي to travel by night with my servants, Allah says. And that's interesting. Allah didn't say, take Banu Israel and go. He said, take my servants and go. What's the difference? One is to just call them by their name. You know when you call somebody by their name? Hey, Ahmed, right? And what if you say, my brother? Is there a difference? Hmm? What do y'all say over here? What's the famous line? The famous term? Habibti? Is that the one y'all use? Do you get what I'm saying? That's different than saying somebody's name, right? 
Because you didn't just say their name as a generic name that you're calling them by. You're attributing them to yourself. There's a more intimate relationship there. The people of Banu Israel had just underwent years and years and years of torture. And now Allah says, O Musa, these people have been through a lot. Take them with you. Take them with you. And travel at nighttime. You know how hard it is to travel at night? It's, it's hard to travel at night. How many of y'all drive at night? Like, not, not, not like 9 o'clock. Like, if you have to drive somewhere, you'll drive throughout the night. How many people do it here? Who are the crazy ones? Okay, we got a few. Yeah, most people are like, no. We're going to pull over and rent a hotel or something, right? That's what people do. Imagine, and, and that's, with all, that's with all of the amenities we have. That's with the lights and the street lights and the highways, right? That's with all of that. Musa is being told, out in the middle of the desert, take these people with you and go. Travel at nighttime. Imagine how much fear there's got to be. Where are we going? What if we get lost? And then the main fear, we're running away from Fir'aun. What happens when he comes after us? So what does Allah end the ayah with? لا تخافوا daraken. Have no fear of being caught. Don't worry about it. He's not going to catch you. وَلَا تَخْشَى And have no fear of ahead. You're going to run into the, the sea, the Red Sea. Don't worry about it. We're going to take care of you there too. You know the idea of running in the dark? And Allah tells you, I'll take care of you? That's what this story exemplifies. Watch. These people have no idea where they're going. Oh Musa, where are we going? We're just, we're just running away from Fir'aun. Do you have a plan? I'm going where Allah takes me, where Allah tells me to go. And, and so they're all kind of like in fear and stuff. What does Allah say? Don't fear. Fir'aun's not going to catch you. The next ayah says what? Then Pharaoh pursued them with the soldiers. But how overwhelming were the waters that submerged them? Yeah, subhanAllah. In another ayah of the Quran, Allah talks about how the next morning, فَأَتْبَعُوهُمْ مُشْرِقِينَ the next morning, Fir'aun and his people wake up, they look around, and Banu Israel's gone. They're like, yo, they escaped, chase them down. So they go after them. Huge armies chasing Banu Israel and Musa salam. Right? So, they get there, and they, and they catch up to Musa salam and Banu Israel, and Musa and Banu Israel are where? In front of the Red Sea. This is the classic story that many of you might be familiar with. Okay, this is where it gets really interesting. In the Qur'an, Allah describes what happens. The people of Musa are like, we just went through years and years of torture under this guy. Now he's brought his whole army and he's chasing us. So they're like, فَلَمَّا تَرَاءَ الْجَمْعَانِ قَالَ أَصْحَابُ مُوسَىٰ إِنَّا لَمُدْرَكُونَ When the people of Musa saw the group of Fir'aun, they said, oh Musa, we're caught. There's nowhere to go. What's he supposed to do, guys? What's Musa I'm going to do in that situation? Against a full army of Fir'aun who wants, to reven- who wants revenge, who wants to capture these uh, escaped people. What, is, what, what would you expect from Musa is, The first thing he says is what? قَالَ It's not in this surah, it's a different surah. He says, never. Now here's the real question I want to ask you. When you're stuck in life, between a situation, you know we say like a, a rock and a hard spot? In life, 
where it, it doesn't really matter which direction you go, it seems you're going to lose out. What do you do? What does Musa do in this situation? He says, never. He says, them catch us? Never. Number one, Allah promised, He can't catch you. He will not catch you. Number one. Number two, here's my question. On what basis is Musa so convinced he's not going to be caught? Does he see a way out? This is a, this is a key point here. Does he see a way out? The answer is no. Yet he says, he doesn't say, Firaun's not going to catch us. Why? Because yo, I, gotta, I know a back, back alley here. That's not what he says. He says, Inna ma'ya rabbi sayahdeen. My Lord is with me and He'll show me the way forward. Do you understand that? What do we learn from that? Sometimes in life, you're in a tough spot. You don't know which way to go. And you need to take action. You can't always wait to see a clear path forward. In those moments to say, Oh Allah, guide me the way forward. Show me the way forward. Do you understand? That's what Musa demonstrates here. Is a strength and conviction that, Oh Allah, all of this is happening under your watchful gaze. Oh Allah, guide me forward. Now, what would you expect Allah to say? One of two things. One is, Oh Musa, you have a staff, right? Why don't you hit Fir'aun? No? That's one thing. Take your staff and hit Fir'aun. And maybe if you throw your staff, it'll turn into a serpent and swallow up all the people. Maybe, I don't know. What's the other logical thing that you might think? If you got the sea, what do you do? Everybody grab some, I don't know, uh, some wood. And let's try to swim out there, yo. Let's get as far as we can. Do you get what I'm saying? Those are the two logical explanations or plans you would expect Musa have to come up with. What does Allah show us? It's not always where you think it lies. The solution is not always where you think it lies. It's where Allah places the solution. What does Allah say? Take your staff. Take your staff and strike the sea. Huh? Did I hear that correctly? Staff and strike the sea? Allah says, yes. Allah says, if you strike the sea, we're going to create paths. And then look what Allah says to like really demonstrate his number one, his care and love for Banu Israel, but also his power. He says, we're going to create paths for you. And the path that you walk on will be absolutely dry. Yabasan, dry. Like Allah could have said, okay, fine, we're going to split the sea. And then you, gotta, you guys kind of have to like, you know, tread your way through this mud. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you could have done that. But Allah's like, no, we're going to make it dry. The same Allah who makes it wet will make it dry. And you guys will walk on dry land. Now, what do we learn here? Sometimes you don't see a way forward. It's just a big red sea in front of you in life. What's the way? How am I ever going to overcome this? And Allah tells you there's a command here. Do this and put your trust in Allah. Take this action. Make this dua. Make istikhara. Ask people, reach out, take the means you have. Take the means you have. Oh Allah, I don't know what, the means, like this means, I can't see any way how this means would bring about something positive. But it's not about the means. 
It's the one who controls the means. He's the one who can take something and against all odds make it the case. And so what does Allah do? He creates 12 paths. One for each tribe within Banu Israel. And they cross. Now what does Fir'aun do? Fir'aun is your classical, your classic politician. Take the situation and spin it in your own favor. He comes up, he's like, check it out y'all. Look what the, the sea has done for me. I told y'all I was special. Now look what the sea's done for me. Come. And the crazy thing is, Fir'aun knows. Fir'aun knows that Musa is true. He knows it. But he has pride. But anyways, he leads his people into the water. And the same water that saved Musa, destroys Fir'aun. What do you learn from that in life? You see somebody cheat their way to the top, and you think, what? Well, I'm going to cheat my way to the top. Maybe that cheating their way to the top worked for them. It might be a means of your destruction. The same thing that took them to the top can bring you to the bottom. Is not the case. Is not the case. Don't take the way of cheating. Don't take the way that is of deception. Don't take the way that's unlawful. And there might, you might say, but, but Shaykh, look at all those other people. They're all doing it. They seem to be doing fine. So what do you assume? That if you do it, you're going to be fine? Fir'aun thought that. Fir'aun's like, hey, Musa got through it. I'm going to get through it too. The same means that saved Musa destroyed Fir'aun. Do you understand? The means are what Allah makes them. The means are what Allah makes them. And that's important to understand. And so to adopt not the means based on what I perceive them to do for me only, but to look at what Allah commands here. And there's so many teachings like that. We're taught, give charity, your wealth won't decrease. What? Give charity and your wealth won't decrease. Be humble, lower yourself, and Allah will raise you. What? Do you understand? Because it's not about the means. Adopt the means, but adopt the right means. But it doesn't make sense to me. It's okay. That's where you got to trust your Lord. That's what Musa does. That's what Musa does. And these are hard things, guys. They're painful things. In that moment, when you can't see the way forward to say, Oh Allah, I put my trust in you. Every single person on their wedding day is demonstrating some trust in God. Oh Allah, I don't know if this relationship is going to work out. I trust that you're going to do it for me, inshallah. Isn't it? Ask all the people who are married. On that day, you had to demonstrate your tawakkul, isn't it? Oh Allah, like I think she's the one, I think he's the one. But I don't know for sure. This could be a huge disaster. Oh Allah, I trust you. And there's many of us who can't get married because we can't trust. Because we can't trust Allah. No, I got to know everything. We got to date for five years. Because you can't trust God. Yeah, you want to date because you can't trust God. Let's be real here. Shaykh is so hard. Is it really hard? Is it hard to get married or is it hard for you to trust God and say, you know what? Maybe I got to take a step in the dark. No, Shaykh, I can't do that. I need to know for sure. You'll never know for sure. Because people can lie to you and people can deceive you and put up a facade. Oh man, people can do that. Y'all get where I'm coming from. Sorry guys, I mean, it's been a long day. I'm really tired. And some of you are like, yo, what did he eat today, bro? Because he's going off today. I apologize, eh? It's been a long day. I, I just tell you that. But yeah, 
You know, we got to have some courage to take some steps forward. Not blame everybody else and blame society, but maybe acknowledge that maybe I just can't trust God enough to take that next step forward when I need to. Let's read a few more verses, inshallah. Right, the Qur'an says, Fir'aun led them astray. He takes the responsibility of misguiding his people. Alright. Oh, let's stop there, inshallah. Perfect. Jazakumullah um, khayran. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq to connect with the, the word of Allah ta'ala, the kalam of Allah, and understand the deep lessons contained in these verses, and then be able to embody these characteristics and these teachings in our daily lives. Ameen ya rabbal alameen. وصلى الله وسلم وبارك ولكل وجهة هو موليها فاستبقوا الخيرات أينما تكونوا يأتي بكم الله جميعا إن الله على كل شيء قدير